millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So, very good evening to you and welcome to Charm and Life. This is the big match preview here on Maritime Radio. My name is Louis Mendes and joining me in the studio here as we get ready to look ahead to Saturday's game up at Accrington Stanley is Mr. Tom Wallin. How are you doing, Tom? Yeah, good. Yeah. Evening, everyone. You had a good week? Oh, it's been all right. Yeah, dev- devastated to be out of the old League Cup. That was nice, wasn't it? Yeah, I completely forgot the game was on. Came out the cinema, saw the score. Fine. Mm. Job done. Yeah, well, I'm never drinking a can of Carabao again. <laughs> Uh, Have you ever? No, I haven't actually. There you uh, go. Uh, but I, I refuse to get involved with a brand that uh, would see us dumped out of their cup for <laughs> by Milton Keynes of all teams. Right on tonight's show, uh, we will discuss some some excellent news today. Another new signing has arrived at the Valley. Arsenal loanee Christine Belek, uh, defensive midfielder or central defender, uh, twenty year old on loan from Arsenal. So we'll talk about him. We'll hear what Lee Boyer has to say about his new acquisition. We'll also hear what Boyer says about the possibility of there being more signings. He gives us an injury update, which is potentially Potentially some light at the end of the tunnel. We will briefly look back at that Milton Keynes game. Uh, we'll hear from Johnny Jackson, who was in uh, in charge of the team with, with Jason Yule on, on Tuesday night, what he made of the performance. Uh, we will discuss some stuff from uh, Bowyer's interview last Saturday that no one's actually talked about yet. So it's just about Patrick Bauer and his uh, attitude since the uh, the, the tweets uh, going out. So I think we'll talk about that and uh, Bowyer. Uh, what, what, what you made of that. And uh, then, of course, we all start looking ahead to Saturday's trip up to the Wham Stadium, or the Crown Ground to us traditionalists, to take on Accrington Stanley. Not the first ever meeting between the two teams, because we actually played them in the 20s, obviously the old incarnation uh, of Accrington in the FA Cup. But, uh, you know, a first ever league meeting. I'm looking forward to that. So we're here from Dan Jewell from BBC Radio uh, Lancashire. He was a, a great to, to, to come on and speak to me on the phone last night. Gives us some great info uh, on Aki. And then, of course, we will look ahead to the game from a Charlton point of view. Once more, hearing from Lee Bowyer. But first things first... Uh, praying this audio works and anyone who's listening to the live show will notice that at some points during this evening's show the audio won't sound as good but by the time we go onto the podcast it'll be fine So, but the, during the live show uh, you'll be hearing me at some points holding a laptop up to the microphone because some of the audio is working some of it isn't and if I knew why that was I wouldn't be in this game I'd be in the fixing radio studios game uh, but I'm not in that game I'm in the presenting channel live game but <laughs> on tonight's uh, show the first bit we're going to hear is what Lee Bowyer made of our new signing today join on loan from Arsenal uh, Christian Billick. He's a good player, obviously. Uh, he's got experience. He's played in a championship for Birmingham when he was 18. So, um, and he's going to be a good addition to our squad. He can play centre half, can play sitting in front of the back four as a midfielder. So, there's a lot of variation to him. He's a good player. Just watch him. Trying for the first time today. Obviously, when I watch him in games, but to see him training with the lads, um, no, he looks good. I think it's right to say he's a player you've been pursuing for some time. Yeah, Steve Gallen. I couldn't tell you how many hours he's been on the phone for the last month trying to to bring this lad in. We knew he would be a good replacement for Ez. Similar to us, can play at the back, play midfield. Um, so yeah, that was someone that we needed and we wanted, and um, and he's a very good player. So uh, yeah, he's he's going to bring a lot to our squad. Could he make his debut at Accrington on Saturday? Um, we'll see. We'll see. Um, that might be too soon for him, but he has experience. So if, if we think that it's right. And yeah, then I'll, I'll put him in. There we go, there's Lee Bowyer talking about our new signing, 20-year-old uh, on loan from Arsenal, Christian Billick, uh, defensive midfielder slash uh, centre-back. Um, I mean, w- what are we thinking, Tom? What are we thinking? 
Uh, it's the right sort of area we need. Um, my experience of him is very limited. I do remember him playing in a game. It, it took me most of today to find the game, but he played under uh, Zola for Birmingham, came on after uh, Paul Robinson got sent off and made a couple of really good tackles. And I just remember him standing out and that name just rang a bell when we signed him. But aside from that, I haven't seen a huge amount. Um, we've had kind of mixed mixed uh, players from Arsenal over the years, but some of them have obviously turned out to be quite good. And like Boya says there, he kind of he replaces Esri in terms of the positions he can play. And they're two positions we need strengthening. I think he's played in a back three before as well. Um, so that obviously helps, particularly with the Pierce injury at the moment, um, and hopefully can support the midfield as well. So I think it's a it's a good signing, but he obviously another one that just needs to hit the ground running because of our squad depth. But um, yeah, I'm relatively pleased with it. Yeah, it sounds like Lee Bowyer was was quite pleased with the fact that, that it sounds like he can play the ball, which on, on the mm. floor, which obviously you don't always get with with a, a centre half, and but he is a, a defensive midfielder as well. So. Maybe a, a more direct replacement, as you say, for for, for Ez, uh, who obviously we lost to Brentford during during the summer. Yeah, yeah, I think so. And uh, we talked about it on Sunday show. Although this was more to do with Phillips than the than the uh, than Sarah and Bauer, but there was a a bit of a tendency to be going long, particularly in that first half against Shrewsbury, and it, it wasn't working. And Bowyer's shown already that he likes to have the ball on the floor. I think that's how he wants the team to play out from the back and. Yeah, even the player himself, I don't know if we've got the audio from him as well, but says that that's what he wants to do. So, yeah, I, look, I, it, everyone like that, it, you know, someone we haven't particularly heard a huge amount about is going to be a bit of a gamble. Um, I know it was at Warsaw he was on loan to last year mm. and just didn't play because of injuries. So it's, uh, he fits the bill well as a Charlton mm. player if he's getting injured regularly as well. But, um, yeah, I think just it's another body that we've got as cover, certainly, and after Tuesday night where Bowie was a bit not scathing, but a bit disappointed in some of the performances from the younger players. It's hopefully takes the heat off them a little bit and gives us some more support. Yeah, as you mentioned, he was on loan at, at Walsall last season for the second half of last season. Didn't actually feature for a single minute due to uh, uh, knee and hamstring injuries, I believe it was. But he was at Birmingham the year before. Uh, again, you saw him playing on the zone. If he had played uh, 10 times in the second half of the season where he was there, and mm. eight, eight of which were starts, so I tweeted a couple of Birmingham supporters and one of them said, yeah, he was, he was all right, actually. Um, it's quite interesting as well. You think that like, we're always talking about oh, playing youth, playing youth, playing youth. This is someone we've loaned in who is 20 years old, yeah. you, you remember. But I guess because he comes from Arsenal, we're not thinking about how young he is. We're just thinking, oh, he's come from Arsenal. Yeah, and the, f- uh, the other thing is that people might think, well, he is young, but he comes from Arsenal, therefore he's better than our youth. Even that might not be the case because we've seen some of the players that have come through our youth system and they're decent as well. And uh, Arsenal have a habit of playing their young players if they're good enough. So the fact he hasn't played for them maybe suggests, you know, okay, he's not a top six or seven Premier League player, but that's not the level we're operating at anyway. As I say, we've seen the likes of Coquelin and people come down here and do very well. Even Mavadidi, okay, maybe not so much the second time, but the first time I think he did really well. Second time, I'd argue, was a bit more down to injuries than his actual performances. So, yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing him play, seeing what he's got to offer. And as I say, it's another body through the door, which is which is key, um, and in a key area of the pitch as well. Yeah, and as uh, it sounds like, I would say versatility, which is quite useful. I mean, do you see him coming in as backup, or do you see him? Do you think he could come in and really? I mean, who, who do you see him dislodging, for example, if he if he's going to come in and stake a first a first team place? I think it depends on how we set up. I could easily see Solly pushing out to wing back um, in place of Marshall, and then him coming in alongside Sarah and <coughs> and Paddy. Um, or if we've got the three in midfield, then <coughs> if Arebo and Prattley are there, it'd be worth maybe giving George a rest and playing him in in midfield as well. Um, perhaps that's slightly too defensive for a game against Accrington, who I think we'd be hoping to beat, but maybe in some of the the more uh, tougher games or the games against the teams that are up near the top of the table that could work as well so I think there's a number of options there and it being Charlton injuries are only just around the corner all the time so if that happens as well he can fill in I'd be surprised personally if he starts on Saturday just because I think he'll probably give the boys that that won at the weekend the chance to do it again um, but I wouldn't be surprised to see him come off the bench in the second half Now there's a great spot on the Charlton Life Forum earlier <laughs> Uh, from Paddy oh, yeah, Hammond. This. Uh, this was absolutely superb. So basically, Christian uh, Bilek, if you very loosely translate it, because I think you, there's a bit of license between Christian and Chris rather than Christian in English, but his, uh, his name basically translate to, translates to Chris Eagles. So it's like he never left. 
That's good, isn't it? Excellent stuff. Yeah, so, I'm pleased with that. Uh, hopefully, he'll be as uh, useful as Chris Eagles was for us, if not more. Hopefully, more. hopefully more. Yeah, <laughs> right. Um, obviously, we're hoping he's not going to be the last one through the door. Uh, in, in terms of signings, the loan window still open up until the end of August. So Lee Bayer again during uh, today's press day was asked about that. This is what he had to say. Just so you've been linked with a number of loan signings, um, you've got one in today. Are you expecting more to follow? Yeah, yeah, we need we need at least one more. Um, two would be a bonus, but at the moment let's just take each step as it comes you know like now we've, we've brought him in another good signing so that's four it's come through the door now and um, they've all improved our squad like I said that we have to be careful and we we ain't just going to go after any any type of player there's, there's specific players that we want and that we need and and um, as you can see Lowell's had a good start practice had a good start so um, yeah, we brought in a good keeper to push deal, and uh, and uh, obviously Christian who's another good, good player. So um, I think we're doing good business in this window. And myself, Steve, Jacko, Marshy, we're all working and with our contacts. But Steve has done very well. I have to say, to say Steve Gallen has done very well to pursue this because there was a number of clubs and that he could have chosen and um but by us uh, hanging in there and and pursuing it as, as for as long as because we could have just walked away two weeks ago and just moved on to somebody else but um i have to give credit to steve he just kept going and going and um thankfully he's come to us now what's the priority now Lee, so far as bringing someone is there one position you're very keen to strengthen in an ideal world another midfielder I think that's definitely somewhere where we need um, because of the demand that I'm asking from our midfielders in and out of possession uh, we're going to need a bit more cover than what we've got um, young lads are doing okay at the moment but they're going to hit a brick wall they, they can't do that Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday like you see George come off with cramp on Saturday you know like so um, yeah, we, we, I think midfield is our next, our next thing to, to try and bring in but again we have to be careful because the midfielders we have here are good so we ain't just going to bring in someone average because if we choose to rest someone then the person that coming in that's going to be stepping in has to be on par with that player so there's Bo you're talking about you know what, what he's hoping for I just found it interesting at one point he, he sort of says you know there's potentially we'll only get one more I mean I mean because then we'd still look rather short wouldn't we I mean I'd, I'd think minimum you probably need two or three mm. yeah I think I, I said it the weekend I think at least another three um, and I don't think that's being greedy at all I mean obviously when the injured players do come back that's going to make a huge difference but even with them all fit the squad's still small and that doesn't take into account the fact that we are going to lose other players through the season as well so for me we we probably need somebody else who can play centre mid we probably need another winger slash forward as well so a very very minimum we need two more but yeah I would have said at least three but I'm sure they're working hard on it he said obviously this one took a little while to get over the line and I'm sure maybe some of the others are as well but that's what you get if you're going after the the exact player you want as opposed to just picking off anyone because obviously there's free agents knocking around and stuff now but we're clearly going after players that will just make the team better which I applaud but um yeah, we need to definitely need more business before the end of the window. And certainly, a midfielder is, of course, now uh, with Jake Forster, Cassie mm. going out. So, if if uh, if Billick is a replacement for Esri, then I mean, we still haven't had one in for Jake yet, have we? Yeah, exactly. Um, and I think that's the thing we're lacking. It showed on Saturday that lack of someone just sort of turning defence into attack, getting that ball and looking forward and giving people like Aribo the license to go forward. I think Prattley does it to a certain extent, but perhaps hasn't got that range of passing that we need. So we need someone alongside him that can spread the ball about a bit and get people moving as well. In the same way, Cashy and uh, Jake sort of did it last year. So, yeah, we definitely still need a few more. But um, it, it, it is what it is, as uh, as everyone around the club saying at the moment. Um, 
but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how this guy gets on first. Um, but yeah, we do need more. How many loan players can we have? You're, like allowed, you're allowed five in a match day squad. Okay. So obviously, we've what have we got, got? Two, two three, at the moment. We've two. got two now, Steer and, and, and Billy. Yeah. But I mean, I'm just, think, I'm just thinking now. So if you look at positions where there really isn't any competition at all, I've just, off the top of my head, I've gone for left back. All I can think of is Lewis mm. Pager. There, there really is no one who's going to come in and push him. So you, unless you're going to go to the youth team. And as we saw, I think the the best youth players have probably been given their chance already and we'll come on to the MK Dons game in a minute but no one else really stood out as being ready yet so it is going to be a case of if we do try and get I think a striker slash winger is probably one we're hopefully we're going to look yeah. for and certainly a central midfielder but then you're going to leave positions like left back for example where you're going to be extremely light if Lewis Page I mean you know, I like Page I think he's looked good but he's had his injury problems and it could mm. easily reoccur I think uh it might have been on comms on the weekend. I certainly mentioned it somewhere. I was talking about Page and saying what happens if he got injured. And I mean, we've got cover there in as much as Saar has played there before. He did it really well against Bradford last year. Solly has done it before. I remember when was it when Wiggins got injured. He he sort of went in there as well. But I mean, his fitness is sometimes called into question as well. And you're putting a square peg in a round hole with those two players because it's not their natural position. Um, but also, I think. Look, Tuesday aside, I think that one of the brighter parts of the youth prospects is Maskell, who's played out there as well. Did it in the checker trade really well. I think that was in a back with uh, as a wing back. Um, so he, you know, again, he's not someone I want to rely on every week because that's not fair on him. But um, if Page was to get injured, he could maybe fill in as well. So it, we have got cover, and a, a lot of the players at the squad, either through necessity or because they're able to, are able to play in more than one position, which helps. But again, it's something that we don't want to do and it's very much a, a squad that's set up to be temporary, isn't it? And we know why that is, um, relying on loan players and relying on youth. So the quicker we can get out of all that and start actually signing a, a full squad, that would obviously be massive. But until that happens, we've got to rely on youth and, uh, and loans, unfortunately. Obviously, Bay has been talking a lot about insisting that he's not going to bring in someone who's mm. just back up. He wants to go to bring in players who are on a par. Yeah. Um, so I guess Steve Gallon in particular, the scout's going to have his work out to find because you know, with, with uh, all due respect to a lot of land, we've done well so far. It, it would seem with our loanies. I mean, we haven't seen him play yet, but generally, when a player's out on loan, it's because, for example, Zyro last season they, they're coming back from injury, and therefore sometimes it's going to take them a while to get up to speed, or they're not going to be firing for their club because very you're not going to get a team that's willing to give away a twenty goal a season striker, are you? Yeah, exactly right, and and that's going to be the difficulty and. I suppose the advantage is that, and it's because the uh, because the window's shut already. There will be Premier League uh, teams that perhaps have players that weren't haven't been either haven't been named in their squad, or people that they were hoping to get rid of that they now can't. Which I think Boya mentioned already. So perhaps they can go out on loan, um, or they're just trying to shift shift players. Um, so I think those options will come up. But I think particularly with things like strikers, as you say, that we're going to have to just strike lucky, aren't we? And, like that season where we got a beaker in, he scored two or three goals at a really crucial time, or or something like that. You you just have to be lucky because, you know, we're not going to get someone, you know, a Darren Bent or someone who's just consistently scoring goals at a, at a good level week in week out because those players have been snapped up already. So, I think the good thing is that for a first eleven, we have a lot of those covered already. I know Boya doesn't want to take too many risks, but I think at some point we're we're going to have to because, as you say, a lot of the good players now have gone. Right. Obviously, partly the reason. Uh, that we have uh, such a struggle in terms of squad size at the moment is because we're suffering a lot of injuries. So I think it's good news today uh, that Lee Bowyer gave us at the press conference in terms of when players might be coming back. Uh, obviously, you've got Billy Clark. That's a difficult one. That that it is what it is. It, you can't rush it, you know. Um, so if it's a, a week or two later, then you accept that because it's a bad injury. Um Regarding the others, like your muscle injuries and stuff, I'm hoping to have maybe three back before the South End game. So, all of a sudden, our squad will go from struggling a bit to, and then in another week or two after that, so it's just going to keep peaking and peaking. So, but we can't rush him, you know, like we can't rush Tariq. Um, last thing we'd want is to get him back after being out for six, eight weeks or however long it's been and then break down again. We couldn't have that. Um, so there's no point rushing him now. It's the start of the season. Listen, like in the playoffs, we tried to rush him back for that and he wasn't himself. And 
So, but now we won't be doing that. Not now. Not at this stage of the season, no. Chip ball, looking for the run of Fosu, who's onside Fosu, edge of the penalty area, can he get a shot away? He can and it's the opening goal! Tariq Fosu sprung the offside trap, gets his second goal of the season and Charlton's first of the evening and they're 1-0 up here at the Banksy Stadium. Welcome back to Channel Live. This is the big match preview here on Maritime Radio. Right on Tuesday evening, uh, a very, very young Charlton side travelled up to uh, Milton Keynes to face uh, to face uh, Paul Tisdale's side in the first round of the League Cup. But I mean, it was a really, really, really young side, other than really from uh, uh, Mark Marshall and, uh, and and Nicky Jose up front. I mean, it was a very youthful Charlton side and. Uh, uh, I mean, I mean, even taking that in, into account, it was st- it still wasn't great, unfortunately. And you know, for for a, a lot of young players who were going to be looking to try and make a name for themselves, I think they'll probably come out a bit disappointed with that. Yeah, I think they will as well because they'll have wanted to take their chance. They'll have seen your your Lapsleys and and Morgan and and going back previously, lots of other players as well making those debuts, Ez and Aribo and Gomez and. I mean, we could list them for for the whole show. Um, so when you get your chance in front of the boss, and like he said, at men's football as opposed to under 23s level, you want to try and take it and you want to impress. And as I say, the likes of Maskell and Cummins have come in in, in uh, checker trade and maybe even Carabao Cup last year. Lapsley obviously did it as well. And, and they've done that. And so they'll be disappointed because they've previously managed to do it. But also the other players, you know, they want to grab that chance and show what they can do and they haven't quite done that. I've seen the goals back. We looked a bit sloppy. Um, I wasn't at the game, but I have seen the highlights. And it's going to be tough. You're a young team. You're up against it. I understand that. But the way Boyer talks, he's he seemed pretty disappointed with the way they performed. Yeah, I was up there, and uh, yeah, I mean, the, especially the, the the first goal, Joe Cummins trying mm. to trying to head it back to to Dylan. He got it all wrong, and then and then uh, the, the the finish was good from Asongiani. Uh, uh, beyond Phillips and the second one I mean we, we just caught, caught overplaying it really and didn't keep control and uh, gave it away and then Watson called home from the edge of the box so I mean, a couple of uh, a couple of decent goals uh, for Milton Keynes in terms of finishes but again like it, uh, we'll hear from Jacko in a second because he was the one taking the team with, with Jason Yule but it, it did look a little bit like they were too nervous even though you know Milton Keynes only made four changes so it's more much more of a senior side for them but it was a small crowd and you're hoping that if you're going to be eased in as such I guess this is one of the occasions where it's not exactly a ferocious uh, a ferocious ground to visit Milton mm. Keynes as well so um, yeah they'll be really disappointed that they did look nervous particularly in that first half yeah and I think to a certain extent I, I'm not a, a pro so I don't know how their mentality works but I would have thought maybe you look at someone like Lapsley up at Sunderland, actually you thrive off that bigger environment. So going somewhere in a cup game, probably knowing that the the manager isn't too fussed if you go out or not, as you say, a small crowd, people not that interested, might actually be harder for them to get up up for it and perform. And as I say, you would hope as professionals, they, w- they would go out there and they would try their best. And I'm not, not suggesting for one moment that they didn't, but perhaps it's difficult to to really thrive off a, a big atmosphere, you know, when the, when the atmosphere just doesn't exist. And when you do fall behind so early on to a sloppy mistake, and I mean, it was Cummins' header, but I think the, the back four as a whole were guilty because the, the chasing back was pretty poor and then it was a good finish in the end. But um, yeah, once you do that and you know that if you go out, you're probably, the team aren't that fussed anyway. It's sort of, the script's already written for you from that point. Um but as I say, I'm sure they'll be frustrated. I would like to think that some of them will get their chance again in the checker trade. I know we won't be able to play as many of them because of the, the stupid rules. But um, if they get their opportunity, then hopefully they'll take it that time. Yeah, Ben Dempsey uh, made his uh, his debut from the start and he had a couple of chances in the first half, which was a half-decent. Ryan Bloomberg 
was in from the start as well. Abby Morgan got his first start. Obviously, he's had he's had minutes mm. in the first team, and he was impressive again uh, for me. And then in, in the second half, it was full, it was the first team debuts as well for Kenneth Yao, uh, Brendan Sarpong, we were doing Alfie Doughty. So they they all take that as an experience, even though it didn't go uh, to plan. Obviously, that the second half we did look better. Um, we had a few chances. Rico Hackett, Fairchild looked. Quite lively, had a, had a couple of efforts, and Nikia Jose had what seemed like an absolute certain penalty mm-hmm. turn, turned yeah. away for some reason. And then there was another one which wasn't picked up on as much, but Maloney had a shot inside the air and clearly got wiped out after the ball went. So that looked a penalty for me, but we were, I think we were already 3-0 down at that point. Uh, so no one really cared. The third goal, uh, an own goal. I mean, again, it, it, you can take your pick out of Joe Cummings or possibly Dylan Phillips for, for whoever got the final touch there. Uh, I think the papers. Uh, I think our BBC gave it to Cummings. As they well, did on so, the night, definitely. Yeah, so, so not 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 his <laughs> not his best night, unfortunately. But I mean, overall, I mean, I'll put it out there for a free word review. And Kai Williams just said, "Don't care. I don't care." Uh, Valiant says, "We move on," and also then says, "Squad was depleted." So I mean, no, I I, I personally, I, I made it quite clear on Sunday. I really didn't want us to go through, especially now because we've seen we would have been drawn away to Bournemouth. That's what Milton Keynes got. So. I really could have done without a Tuesday night in Bournemouth for myself. I mean, Jacko said that we could have done with it in terms of just giving some players minutes when they're coming back from injuries. But overall, I mean, just for me, it feels like a bit of a distraction that was unneeded at this time. Yeah, and I think whatever the state of the squad and whatever we think about the club, uh, you know, as people who perhaps know a little bit more than your average national journalist or whatever, I think we, we should be aiming for promotion this year. Now, whether we've got a squad good enough to do it or not is a different story, but I think that should be our aim, and Bo has made it very clear that's his. If that is the aim, we, we don't need the distraction of the Cup. I said it on Sunday. If we got through, it's a brilliant experience for those youngsters, and just play them again. Even if all of our injured players were back fit, just play them again, because it's a chance for them to play. There's no sort of momentum with it, because we're playing a completely different side. We've played MK Dons about 400 times in the last few seasons. So it's just, it was of no interest to me. As I say, I didn't even watch it or anything. Um, it, I, I couldn't really complain that we're out. Um, as I say, it's a, it's a shame that those players didn't have more of an opportunity or, or show themselves as perhaps as well as they would have liked. But we move on, um, as you say, avoid, uh, avoid a trip down to Bournemouth and focus back on the league this weekend. Right, so let's hear what Johnny Jackson had to say. Now, if you're listening live, uh, the quality of the audio won't be great. If you're listening to the podcast, it'll be fine. I would have sorted it by then. I think the young lads work really hard, but ultimately, the inexperience has undone them. I think um, started far too, um, sort of too much respect, I think, shown to them. Maybe a little bit of stage fright and uh, found ourselves too down in 15 minutes or something like that and uh, poor goals um, give ourselves too much to do they come out second half took on board what we said to them at half time which was a uh, few harsh words and I think they, they tried to put it into practice second half and, and for large parts of it dominated but this I mean it's a big learning curve for them because this is this is senior football and a lot of them it was their first taste and uh, you know you don't, you don't, you dominate ball for all that time. But even then, you can see the third goal and probably uh, MK's first attack in the second half, and we're three 0 down. So, um, yeah, it's a, it's a tough one for them. Um, pat on the back for their efforts, but that's all you get. You get a pat on the back, and you're out of the cup. And uh, you know, some of them um, might not get an opportunity for a while. So uh, they have to learn from it. Um, be pleased with their efforts but um, yeah lots to learn lots, lots to do you try and find a, a positives from tonight there'll be, there'll be a couple of players that perhaps looked alright Albie Morgan I thought again after after what he did on Saturday looked quite good in that, in that second throughout the game really yeah Albie always goes and tries to make things happen gets on the ball obviously he's a young lad he's going to make mistakes he's going to give the ball away at times um, you know we accept that what we want is the reaction after after he does lose it to go and win it back but um yeah, he's fearless, the kid. He, he he always wants to go and get on it and and try and make things happen. And you know that that that's great for a kid of his age. We never ever want to take that away from him. Um, he's still, again, he's still got a lot to learn. But obviously, uh, he could have a very big future ahead of him. As you say, the the manner of of the two goals, particularly in the first half, that he gave away there. I guess that's something that they'll they'll have to try and take experience from and learn from. Yeah, of course. I mean, it's tough to take. Obviously, uh, young Joe's first senior start and. and Sort of making the error for for the goal 
sort of seven, eight minutes into the game is not a great start for him. And, you know, as a young lad, it's tough to come back from that. But um, they stuck with it. But, yeah, like you say, it is, it is things to learn from because, you know, there's no hiding place um, at this level of football. Um, they've got to strive towards it. You know, we're playing, we're playing a, a side in the league below us, you know, and, uh, and they're looking to get in our first team, uh, some of these boys. Um, so they've, they, you know, they've got a lot to prove. Uh, the manager's obviously here. He's looking closely to see who, who might be ready. We haven't got a big squad. We might need some of these lads, but they've got to pass the test. And you know, not all of them have. Some, of, some of them have come out of it all right, and uh, some with a lot to do. So, so five players who got their first first team action today. A couple of people got their first start as well. Um, you know, normally you wouldn't quite get that many in in a league cup, and I guess that is just an indication of the size of the squad. Yeah, it's uh, circumstances have, have forced our hand somewhat um, with, with the size of the squad and with the injuries that we've got. We just, you know, we can't afford any more at the moment, and uh, it would have been a big risk for us to to put any more of our senior lads out, um, risk losing them for Saturday, and then having to go to Accrington with you know uh, even more depleted team and squad. So. Um, that was the risk that we took. It hasn't it hasn't paid off. We're out of the cup. We wanted to win. We wanted to go through. I think the next round would have been a would have been a good game for us because we might have had some of our lads coming back from injury that, that needed minutes in that one, and we're not going to get that opportunity now. So um, yeah, we we've missed that, but it was it was it was a chance we had to take. We felt millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Welcome back to Charlton Live here on Maritime Radio. Great to hear from Johnny Jackson, uh, who of course uh, led the team up in Milton Keynes with, uh, uh, with, with Jason. It made sense, obviously, because uh, it was effectively the under-23s. Um, obviously, other than Mark Marshall and uh, uh, Nicky Jose, as we said, Marshall again was interesting because he was getting up and down that right wing like no man's business. Like we were sat on a, on the right hand side in, in the first half. Some of the skills he was doing was excellent, but then just his delivery into the box, it just it just doesn't happen for him sometimes, does it? And that's so frustrating. Yeah, I was thinking that actually when we were talking about the game, we barely mentioned a Jose um, at all, and, and Marshall we didn't mention at all, and that's a worry because we're not slating, but we're we're disappointed in some of the way the youth team players have performed. But that's a golden opportunity for two of them. Um, a Jose who's obviously out of favour with Lee Bowyer at the moment, and Marshall who, like you just said there, hasn't really impressed at all since coming in. He's had one or two good games and that's about it. So, yeah, you would think that they would try and take their chance. Now, obviously, they're playing with those youth players as well, so it's not like they're, they've are they got experience, quality around them, which can help them. But, I mean, they need to be taking control of those games and showing those younger players how to perform and they haven't really done that again and again it's just difficult for us because 
if they're not going to be part of the first team, I know Marshall has started recently, you want them to be able to come off the bench and make an impact as well. And I, I kind of look at them, particularly after seeing someone like Albie Morgan come on last week or Lapsley, the way he's performed, as and when he drops down to the bench, which he will, unfortunately for him, when, when some of the experience comes back. You look at that bench, I'd much rather bring one of them two off the bench than, than Marshall at the moment because they seem to be able to actually change a game. So, um, yeah, it's it's difficult seeing those two as a fan because I expected a lot more from both of them and they haven't really delivered. Right, it's just something else uh, that I thought we could have a quick chat about on tonight's show. And obviously this time last week we were discussing the fact that Patrick Bale was still here at the Valley after sending some tweets about um, you know deciding that he wasn't going to renew his contract and saying he hadn't been offered a uh, a contract. He's ended up staying beyond the permanent transfer window. Don't forget, he could still be loaned with view to a permanent up until the end of uh, uh, the month. But hopefully, that won't be the case. But I, I thought, you know, he played on played on Saturday against Shrewsbury. Played very well. Um, I just wondered uh, for, for Lee Bowyer what he thought about, um, you know, he's, you know, the, the tweets as well and how important it was the fact that he stayed here at the Valley. I didn't need to persuade him. He needed to stay. The owner said that he's staying. He's not selling him. That was weeks ago. So. But he's here, the most important thing, that Pat's here. And, and I spoke to Pat yesterday and said, like, your attitude has been spot on, you know. Like, I, I understand his disappointment. I've been in the game because he wants to play at the highest level he can. I said, but now, Pat, like, it's gone. Like, you have to focus on your own career and then you have to have a good season. And, and that's a fact. So he knows that, he understands, and, and there was nothing wrong with his performance today. I didn't. So there was uh, Lee Bowyer chatting about Bowyer. So, and, and this is important. He says that his attitude's been absolutely spot on since then. Yeah, I, to be honest, I wouldn't expect anything less. I think we said at the time that the tweet was probably not necessarily his idea um, in Genesis. Um, the contract situation is also a little bit confusing because he was saying he hadn't been offered one. Well, Bowyer said he had verbally. The agent had said he wouldn't wouldn't sign it. So they hadn't bothered offering him one on paper, which again makes perfect sense. So uh, and I thought, okay, he looked. Did he? Yeah, I thought he looked okay against Shrewsbury. Um, so, yeah, I wouldn't. I wouldn't expect anything less. He made it clear in the tweets that that went out that although he perhaps was looking for a move away, he'd give everything while he was in a Charlton shirt. I would suggest that he's done that pretty much since he came in, whenever it was three three years ago. Was it now? Um, so yeah, I'd expect him to do the same. I think we all obviously now know that he's not going to be here next year. Um, but he's again. If I go back to our hopeful aims for this season, he's got a chance to be a part of that, and any player's going to want that. And obviously, if he does want to get a move, then he's going to need to impress to show whichever club that he's worth taking. So, yeah. it just hope that the fact that this uh, this Bielik has come in mm. today and you know can play at centre half, you know, and as I said, I mean, whilst the loan window is still open, it's it's perfectly all right for EFL clubs to loan a player to another club yeah. and then uh, to, with, with a, a view for a permanent signing in January so I mean we're just, just hoping that, mm. that, um, that, that the owner sticks, sticks sticks to his word on that one because we really can't afford to lose him yeah I see a few Blackburn fans tweeting today saying that because this guy's in then Bauer's going to them because I know he was a target for them already um, but yeah I agree with you he has to be we can't live on this one in one out at the moment um, every person in is is needed um, and that's without someone going back out the door as well so I hope I hope that's the case as well I think on a, a your average game um, with everyone fit it should be Bauer and Pierce at the back if you're playing three at the back then uh, Billet can slit in there uh, sorry slot in there and if not then he goes into midfield or, or acts as backup so that's the way I'd like to see it play out. And as you say, hopefully that's the case um, with with Roland's thinking as well. Right, it's time to start looking ahead now to Saturday's trip up to the Crown Ground. Uh, the first ever league meeting between Chutwin and Accrington Stanley. Of course, we like to try and get uh, a view from the opponent's uh, side. So I spoke to Dan Jewell, who's at the uh, BBC Radio Lancashire. On the, you know, Obviously, this is, this is Accrington's first ever season in League One. So I'm guessing it's pretty much the highlight of their uh, existence so far. Since the club's reformation in, in 1968, it's been an upward trajectory and, and this is the high point, the pinnacle so far. 
the old club that supporters of an older vintage that may remember went bust in the early 60s did have a spell playing in the third tier in the 1950s but obviously a different club and a very different league structure and it's very much a case these days of the new club that was built by the fans from literally right from the bottom and the supporters would build the stadium themselves with waste and unwanted materials from building sites and stuff They've brought the club all the way through non-league and into the football league, and, and now, as you rightly say, League Two champions and and setting off on this adventure in League One. Yeah, I guess it's it's very much a fairy tale story, really. And obviously, you know, Accrington have had that sort of jokey reputation from that famous advert uh, back in the day. But I think I think it, it feels like it's a club that has sort of caught the hearts of of a lot of the football world, really. Yeah, I think the secret has been that they've embraced this reputation that they've got, rightly or wrongly, for being rubbish. <laughs> the milk advert and all those kind of things, and, and obviously being a non-league team and being a byword for, for football in failure, that feeling of the club's demise from the early 60s, even though a lot of people these days don't remember it because they weren't around, they've kind of heard about it. Accrington Stanley, they were that club that went bust and pulled out halfway through a season and had their results expunged and all these kind of things. But being a, a little bit of a butt of the joke and, and being a little bit of a punchline, quite a lot has worked in the club's favour, actually, because people look upon them fondly. If you if you go away somewhere on holiday abroad and you say you're from Accrington, even if people aren't football fans, they say, oh, Accrington Stanley, I know them, they're a football team. <laughs> and it, it's kind of worked as a currency for them over the years. And only now, really, I think, is it starting to become a bit of an albatross around the neck because they are a successful club. They are doing very well. They've brought in really good money in the last transfer window, which is transforming the club. And the owner and the manager and the people behind the scenes are looking to put themselves forward and put the club forward as a, a bit more forward-thinking and a bit more 21st century. But I don't think that that notion of being people's second club or being looked upon fondly is something that they should be looking to try and get rid of because it can be massively beneficial to them. Mm. Now, how have they taken to, to life in League One? I know that obviously they lost uh, their, opening, their opening game at Gillingham, but they went and got a great, a great win at Bristol Rovers last week. Um, we won't we won't talk too much about the League Cup game because then we'll have to think about Charlton's performance in that as well. So, um, have have they taken to League One so far? Uh, it's been relatively encouraging. I mean, yeah, I smile as you talk about the League Cup because mm. I, I think the early rounds of the League Cup have, have become a bit like the uh, EFL Trophy these days, where teams just get changed and it's it's potluck as to how things go. But in terms of the league games, I, I spoke to Sean McConville, who's one of Accrington's senior players, the left winger. Um, after the win at Bristol Rovers at the weekend. And, and he summed it up really, really well. They were League Two champions. They had an unbelievable home record. They hadn't lost at home in 2018 before that game against Gillingham. And they'd won something like 12 out of the 13 home games that they played in that period. Um, but the transfer window was still open. They'd just sold one of their important players, January Danassian. There was so much speculation around Caden Jackson, the talismanic centre forward, and Ipswich, were they going to buy him? Was he going to go? And they didn't turn up in that first game against Gillingham. It was as simple as that. They were very poor, very much below par, and probably didn't really start playing until they were 2-0 down for a half an hour period in, in the second half. What Sean McConville said after the Bristol Rovers game was all that speculation, all those rumours affected the one thing that Accrington have and have always had under John Coleman, and that's a togetherness and a dressing room dynamic that drives them forward. And although they don't have the resources, and you could argue that they don't necessarily have the players or the, or the talents that a lot of other clubs do, what they do have is this spirit and this togetherness that was affected against Gillingham and they were very poor and they lost the game. Once the Jackson situation was resolved, they patted him on the back, wished him well off, he went to Ipswich and they were terrific, the Bristol Rovers, and scored after six minutes and quietened the crowd, which is usually pretty vociferous. Uh, and they went on to give a very Accrington under John Coleman performance and, and in the end, deservedly score in the 90th minute to, to win it by two goals to one. So we've seen both sides of what could happen for Accrington this season. I think the million-dollar question for supporters is whether or not they can get the good side of it more often than the bad. Mm. I mean, I mean, tell us about John Coleman. He's, he's been there for, for four years now and obviously he's, he's overseen this, this rise to League One. Um, so I imagine he's a, a fairly popular character up there in Accrington. 
Yeah, that would possibly go down as understatement of the <laughs> century. This is his second spell with the club. He, he's been back four years, but his first spell with the club saw him take over when they had just suffered their first and as yet and to date only relegation when they were relegated from the Unibond Premier Division to the Unibond First Division back mm. in 1999. And his remit was, you've got to get us promoted, which he did. And he's had three more promotions since. He was with the club until 2012, when, having got them into the Football League and various other achievements, FA Cup runs, those kind of things, he went to have a crack at League One to be, become Rochdale manager and was subsequently relegated and then sacked. He had a spell in Irish football, he had a spell in non-league football with Southport, and then came back. Um, and came back, what, the way we put it up here is it's, it's like he's had a software upgrade. <laughs> he's gone from being John Coleman to John Coleman 2.0. All of the good footballing things that were there before are still there. This amazing togetherness, an, uh, an up-and-at kind of style, very much an attack-minded manager doesn't care particularly if he wins 1-0 or 5-4 as long as he wins but this time around there's a bit more maturity there's a little bit more calculation a little bit more sort of um, thought goes into things I think it's helped that he's a slightly older man of course he's got grandkids now that's settled him a little bit and as an example you mentioned the League Cup the the other night they got absolutely hammered by Mansfield 6-1 and in his first spell with the club, he would have come out and ranted and raved and dug his players out and, and been absolutely furious. He was massively magnanimous and came out and said, look, I'm not happy with a couple of decisions that have happened. We've made mistakes, but I've got to give Mansfield credit. They were brilliant and then emphasised how good Mansfield are. I think he's learnt a lot from that experience of managing in League One with Rochdale and it not going well for him. It's a big step up for him as well, but I think he's much more ready for it this time round. So what are the expectations for Stanley this season? Is is it just staying safe in League One or are they, are they looking up? Well, famously, Coleman, on the first day of pre-season training, every pre-season that he's taken with Accrington gives the players a speech. And usually it is, if you lot don't want to win this division, then go home now. And quite a lot that leads to raised eyebrows and, and guffawing and schoolboy humour. But of course, last year he gave the speech and they went and won the league, having been third or fourth favourites for relegation. They are now back to their usual position of being bookmakers' favourites for relegation. So that would suggest that maybe they're eyeing 50 points to begin with. But Coleman doesn't really think like that. He doesn't really go, right, let's get 50 points and then, and then see where we go from there. I think he'll be quietly confident that they can get themselves in and among the established teams in the division. I don't think necessarily that means a top-half finish or a push for the playoffs or anything like that at this stage. I think if he can avoid losing any more of his key players, having lost a couple in the last transfer window, then he might be looking at, yeah, we'll tick off these milestones, 50 points, mid-table, and see where we are in the season. I could see them finishing in the top half. If they can get everything right, then they could be surprise contenders. But equally, as we touched upon with the performance against Gillingham on the opening day, if there are too many of those off days, then I think they will need to concentrate on making sure they're in League One next season. The bookies, of course, have already written them off and and they're very, very strong favourites to go down. But again, I think that probably plays into their hands more than anything. So finally, it's not a first meeting between the clubs if we're looking at both incarnations because Charlton did actually play Accrington in a FA Cup tie back in the 20s but it's a first ever league meeting between the two sides on, on Saturday I mean who who are the danger men that the addicts should be wary of I mean I know Billy Key got quite a lot of goals last season is he is he going to be the most dangerous man yeah well Billy Key is the focal point of the team he he's achieved a level of fame that is unusual for an Accrington player because of his goal-scoring exploits and also what's happened off the pitch and him very bravely coming out and talking about his his fight with depression. Um, He is very much the man who leads the line and the talisman. The key for Accrington now is to find a new partner for him after Caden Jackson went to Ipswich. There are 1.65 million reasons to be happy about that Mm -hmm. sale. It's a club record fee, a massive club record fee, and that amount of money will bankroll all the changes that Accrington want to make to the stadium and training grounds and various other things. If you're looking at threats to Charlton, then look in the wide areas. I mentioned Sean McConville earlier on. He's a right-footed left midfielder, very creative, takes 
set pieces, orchestrates things, doesn't mind a bit of needle. He'll be the one who'll be going down and making sure he gets a free kick and winding people up. And and on the evidence of the start of the season so far, the other flank, which is occupied by Jordan Clark, who's one of the few players in the Accrington team who does have some experience of playing in League One. He's previously been at Shrewsbury and, and Barnsley. He's made a very strong start to the season, very direct, diminutive, pacey winger who uh, likes to get himself into goal-scoring positions and, and provides more than his fair share of assists as well. You touch on being a, a first meeting realistically between these two teams. I certainly think the Charlton fans will A, have a slight shock in terms of culture and, and, and the way that uh, the football ground looks and the facilities, but I also think they'll have a fantastic day because it is renowned for being one of the most welcoming places, old-school football, right on top of the pitch, standing on an open terrace, and the vast majority of first-time visitors absolutely love it. So there we go. That was Dan Jewell from uh, from BBC Radio Lancashire. There, it was great to to speak to him, and he, he really, he, he's a little bit at the end there. Got me really excited to to go to to Accrington Stanley. It's just one of those you know famous names in football for various reasons. Obviously, the the milk advert that we touched upon there. Um, but yeah, it's, it, I, I think I'm really excited to, to to go to a new ground as well. Yeah, I'm really glad. Oh, actually, um, I was looking at the ground earlier and said to you just before the show, it's funny that. Two weeks ago, we were playing against Sunderland, Premier League ground up until two years ago, and in name, really a Premier League ground anyway, much like the Valley, you know, 35, 40,000 people. Um, and then you come to uh, two weeks later, and we're playing at a ground that gets about 2,000 through the door, stands probably no taller than us. Um, hmm. Only and three it, stands at the moment as well. Yeah, they're, having, a, they're having another one rebuilt. Yeah, and, and an open terrace at, at the end for the away fans. So, yeah, it's going to be very, very different, but we've kind of got used to that at this level now. You can go to those kind of grounds and, yeah, it's a chance for fans to tick off a new ground. And, and as he says, they shouldn't be underestimated because they uh, they obviously got beaten by Gillingham at the first weekend who have then gone on to win their second game as well. Um, but then they beat Bristol at the weekend and kind of similar to us, obviously got pegged back to one all and they managed to nick it at the end. So they'll take a lot of encouragement from that I think because uh, as the guy said there they're expected as far as the bookies are concerned to go straight back down so they'll be pleased with any win they can get and they're not going to be a, a rollover that's for sure yeah it's interesting he talked about um uh, width as well being quite good for mm. Accrington because you know if we play 3-5-2 then we'll have the wing backs but that's only one each on, on the side and then if we play a 4-4-2 four, uh, four, in the diamond which sometimes we deploy as well then you don't have much width as well so just be interesting to see how how Lee Bowyer tries to 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 counteract that as well, or you know, you or do we go and try and be the team that make things happen? I guess when you're playing, I mean, Charlton see themselves as a, as a big boy in the division, but we we know exactly what the the size of the squad is at the moment and the situation in the squad. So I would think he'll he'll set up to combat the way they play um, in terms of formation, and then I think within that formation he'll then say out to go out and express ourselves and impose our game on them. I. Uh, I think probably if you look at it as a layman I think the 4-4-2 probably helps to combat that width but I do think he'll probably stick to the three at the back and use the width uh, and as I say try and impose our game on them I think our defence are more than capable and if they're just playing the the uh, they're not or oh, sorry a lot of the threat coming from the width then those central defenders can afford to maybe go out and support as well so yeah, personally, I, I can see him sticking with the the, uh, the wing backs and the three at the back. But again, Bowyer's shown that he's not afraid to try different things. He'll have studied them this week. He'll have looked at those two games and probably the League Cup game as well. So he'll have an idea of how they play and, and he'll decide the best way to combat that. And if it's not working, I'm sure he won't be afraid to change it up. Yeah, of course, uh, for, for Accrington, Billy Key, as we mentioned during the interview there, 25-plus goals uh, last season. McConville got uh, both their goals down at, at Bristol Rovers though last week. Right, let's have a listen to Lee Bayer as well, looking ahead to the game. Uh, this is his thoughts ahead of the trip to the Crown Ground. You brought a, uh, several in for the Milton Keynes game on Tuesday. Could they feature Accrington, any of those? What, the, the seven that started against MK? No. No, they won't feature. Um, we'll probably go back to near on the, the starting 11 that um, started on the Saturday. Because, like you see, we can't even fill the bench, so we ain't got much to mess about with. So <laughs> there ain't no obvious changes that we can make. Uh, the squad is what it is at the moment, but obviously now we've added Christian to that. So whether he starts or he's on the bench, it's, a, it's another good player to have around. Um, so yeah, this 
but the lads that started, obviously you got a couple of senior lads in there, but the younger lads, no, they won't, they won't be starting. No. Now we're at Accrington on Saturday, playing at the Wham Stadium. Is that a ground new to you? Have you ever played there before? I've never played there. No, I can't say I've ever played there, but doesn't matter. It's still a football pitch at the end of the day. It doesn't matter what the ground's like, the stadium's like, the fans are like. None of that's important. It's still a football pitch, and and whoever moves the ball best and competes best and earns the right and. Normally they're the teams that win, no matter what football pitch you play. Absolutely, we've uh, mentioned about um, about playing at the uh, the Wadden Stadium uh, this weekend. Um, Accrington Stanley as a team, what are you what are you expecting from them? What kind of challenge do you think they'll face? Um, I think they're well organised. They know their jobs, in and out of possession. Uh, they're a hard working team from from front to back. Two strikers work hard, midfielders work hard. Um, they look to play when they can, and and they're not a bad side. I think I think their front four are good, two good midfielders that are, that are honest and so that that can play. It's going to be a difficult game. I said to the lads today, like we've done a bit of stuff on them today, and we'd definitely go there and, and respect them for sure because um, what their manage, manager's done with, with the budget he had last year is excellent. So. Uh, yeah, they've, they've, um, it's going to be a tough test for us. Uh, they were beaten heavily on uh, on Tuesday night. Um, do you, do you, does that make it a, a good time to face them this weekend? Or I'm guessing he would have done the same as what I've done. I'm, I'm guessing. I don't know for sure, but it, from that scoreline, I know that that weren't their full side because that they don't concede six. <laughs> so um, yeah, no, that doesn't mean nothing. So there we go, but you're certainly not going to pay. Uh, too much attention to the fact that, that Accrington got beat 6-1 on, uh, on on Tuesday night, and I certainly uh, won't be either then. So so looking at the Charlton team, I think Bay is sort of saying he's more than likely going to pretty much go back to what we started with against Shrewsbury. That seemed like the right thing to do. I think so, yeah. As I say, I think those players deserve their chance to do so again because, OK, it wasn't a, a blistering performance last weekend, but um, I thought they did well to come out of it and get the win at the end, particularly having been pegged back so late on. Um so yeah, I think that's right. Um, I think we can take that formation there and impose ourselves on them. I thought Lapsley and Aribo were a bit more creative when they were both in the middle as well. Um, obviously, we've got Billick as well, who, as I said earlier, I think will probably start on the bench. So I think we've got quite a quite a decent little side there, and I wouldn't expect any change from that. And do you think it will, it will start off with a three-five-two again? Because then we, I mean, we switched it up on on mm. Saturday, and then we improved. Uh, with the three-five-two, so are you expecting that? Yeah, I think we will. Um, I don't think Morgan will play necessarily. So, I think, as I said earlier, I think either you you play Solly out on the right and Billick starts, but I think more likely is that we'll uh, we'll play Marshall out wide and then we'll have um, Solly as part of the back three, probably. But um, mm. yeah, I don't think there'll be too much change anyway. Yeah, I mean, certainly the, the the two up top in in, in uh, mm. Lyle Taylor and Carlin Grant have started the season really well, and so you, you expect them to you know, they'll be looking at a team like you know they've, they've conceded three goals so far this season, same as us. You'll be thinking right, this is a chance really to try and try and get a couple more after they after they conceded a few in the week as well, I guess. Yeah, I would think so, and uh, yeah, I mean for us, you're looking at those two Taylor, obviously two and two Grant got one and two. There are there are goals in our team for sure, considering it's still fairly depleted. I think we need to be careful at the back because you're right, we have conceded three goals in two games as well. Obviously, they shipped a lot of the weekend, so we'll be hoping we can uh, take advantage of perhaps their defensive lapses. But we need to be careful there as well because a lot of our good results, particularly towards the end of last season, were built on a solid defence. I know we, we missed Pierce at the weekend and I know we had a second string out, uh, on, not even second string, uh, out on Tuesday, but... That's that's important. Um, uh, we'll see how much that shores up. Obviously, with Billick coming in and putting pressure on the the defence, but also with Jed Steer coming in now and putting pressure on on Dills, be interesting to see if those players can step up and actually improve a little bit. And as well. of course, like the likes of like Albie, for example, Albie mm. Morgan come on on Saturday and he was part of that change. You know, he he was you know, on the ball and I, again, I thought he did. I did the same. He did the same on Tuesday at times on the ball. Always seems to be in a little bit of space, looking to try and move the ball around. You know, I mean, he will be now considered an option from the bench. Obviously, we're going to think about not wanting to 
overplaying, which is always a risk of youngsters, but it's certainly just, just something slightly different for us if we are struggling perhaps in the middle of the park. 100%. Uh, I don't think he'll start. Um, I don't think that's any discredit to him at all. I think he's worthy of a start, but I just don't think Bowie will risk throwing him in because I don't think that's actually fair on him. Um, but as I said before, you look around on the bench, if you've got someone like Nicky Jose there who's gone to MK Dons and been the most one of the most experienced players on the pitch and not really delivered, or you look at Albie Morgan who came on wouldn't say single-handedly changed the game, but played a big part in changing the game and obviously assisted or partly assisted the winner at uh, the weekend and then came on again on Tuesday and looked good. You look at those two players, it should be a no-brainer and it should be a Jose who's coming on, but I think that they're different positions, I understand that. But I think if you're looking at changing the game, Bowie's going to look at Morgan and think, well, he hasn't really let me down so far, so why not use him again? So as I say, I don't think... I don't think he should start, um, but as I say, that's not not down to his ability or anything like that. But I would like to see him come off the bench if needed. And of course, uh, looking ahead, Bowie's going to have to sort of have at the back of his mind as well that Tuesday we're, we're playing at home here at the Valley mm. against Peterborough, and that's not going to be an easy game by any stretch of imagination. So throughout the game, he's going to be thinking about who needs who needs resting and who who's going to come on and play some minutes. But he's going to have at the back of his mind also. I've got another game three days later. Yeah, and I think you're looking at Peterborough. I mean, obviously Sunderland are, are heavy favourites for the league. They're they've got loads of talent. They've got their big ground. They're a big club. But I think you look at Peterborough and the way they've started and the signings they've made. They're probably going to be an even tougher test than Sunderland were. So. That's going to be a huge game. I don't think he's going to think too much about that now because if we get the three points at Accrington, then we'll we'll deal with Peterborough when it comes. But you, if you plan too much at Peterborough and then you lose at Accrington, well, there's no guarantee you're going to beat Peterborough either. So, um, yeah, we just need to focus one game at a time and, and Bowie's been pretty good at doing that. Right, Nate's not here, so your prediction is also going to make our Jacko's jackpot. We're going to get him to put it on. So how, how do you see it going on Saturday? I can see us winning. Um, I'm going to say 3-0 Charlton. Excellent. I'll tell you that. You got a first goal scorer or are you just going to bet on that? 3 0? Uh, no, I'll have a goal scorer. We'll go Carlin. Carlin. Yeah, Carlin 3 0. Bagging another one in the back of the net. Right, this is uh, just about run out of time here on Chapman Live, the big match preview. Thanks to those of you uh, who've listened all the way through. Uh, Tom, thanks for coming down to the valley. I've been Louis Mendez. We'll be back here on Sunday evening on Maritime Radio uh, to look back at whatever happens against uh, Accrington Stanley. Hopefully, it'll be three points in the first ever league meeting between the two sides. Thanks for listening. We'll see you on Sunday. Chapman Live.